Today, we're telling the story of a remarkable man most Christians have never heard of, but he changed the world and shaped church history. This story takes place in Russia, Germany, America, China, and Japan. This is a story of one man in five countries who wanted to serve God and used his language skills to make sure everyone had the chance to read God's word. Welcome back to the Church History Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens, and today I'm telling the story of a remarkable man named Samuel Churowski. In 1831, in a small little Russian town in Lithuania, Samuel came into the world on the 6th of May. He was named after his father, and he was loved by his mother, Rosa. The family was Jewish and lived in a very active Jewish community. Life in the Jewish community in Lithuania was very close-knit in the mid-1880s. The synagogue was the focal point of the community. This is where the families worshipped together and children went to school. The schools were called yeshivas, and multiple generations of Talmudic scholars would teach the children. The Kela was a Jewish community council. This ruled all aspects of the Jewish community, including their charity, education, and religious practices. The Jewish people in Lithuania were tradesmen, craftsmen, and some on a smaller scale were part of the agricultural landscape. The Jewish merchants played a very critical role in the community. Even though this was one of the better places for Jewish people to live in the mid-1800s, there was still a lot of discrimination. Jews were forced to live in the areas that the government deemed as Jewish quarters. This law was known as the Pale of Settlement Law. The government also had quotas about how many Jewish children were allowed to be enrolled in the schools. The non-Jewish people in the area would often discriminate against Jewish businesses and refuse to purchase from them. The local Russian community would often have something called pogroms. This was violent attacks on the Jewish communities. While things were difficult for the Jewish people living in Russia during the 1830s till the 1850s, over the next few decades, the difficulties grew much worse, and the Jewish communities faced horrific acts of killing, but we're going to cover those in later episodes. The Jewish people spoke Yiddish, and the children learned to read and write in Hebrew. And that is the community little Samuel was born into, and his first few years were filled with love in his Jewish home. Unfortunately, both of his parents died while he was still very young, and his older brother became his caretaker. Samuel's older brother was a timber merchant. He was young and only just starting his business, so the two boys had very little money. But... Samuel was able to go to school, and the Jewish community soon saw just how smart Samuel was. The little boy was exceptional, and he shocked his teachers with how quickly he learned Hebrew. He also learned Aramaic, and he could write poetry in both languages. Samuel loved his time in the Jewish community 
under the teachings of the rabbis, and they all knew how exceptional he was. The rabbis began to groom Samuel at a very young age to become a rabbi. It's what everybody expected of him. At the age of 15, Samuel was seen as old enough to no longer be under the care of his brother. He found a place to live, and he began making money working as a tutor. Now, all the Jewish people had to learn a craft, so Samuel also became a glazier, which means he made stained glass windows. And that is how Samuel was living when he felt God called him to be a rabbi. He decided to leave his home and his nice little community and move to the Ukraine, where he attended a rabbinical school. That's where he met a mission group called the Society for Promoting Christianity Among the Jews. While church history is full of stories of the church treating the Jewish people harshly, this was a time in our church history when many of the church were feeling called by God to reach the Jewish people for Jesus. Samuel engaged with this missionary community, and they gave him a copy of the New Testament in Hebrew. Reading the New Testament in Hebrew had a huge impact on him. He continued reading it while he was studying to become a rabbi. Soon, Samuel decided to move to Germany. He had no money to travel to Germany, so he walked from Ukraine to Germany. Now, today, if you were to get in a car and drive from Ukraine to Germany, it would take 21 hours, and Samuel walked the entire way. Once he reached Germany, he attended the rabbi school in Frankfurt, and later he attended the University of Breslau. At this point, Samuel spoke many languages. He spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, Yiddish, Polish, Russia, and once he moved to Germany, he also learned German. In fact, he became so fluent with it that people thought he had spoken German since birth. Samuel's ability to learn languages would be the skill God would use. Samuel didn't have very much money while he was in school. In fact, he could only afford to buy one loaf of bread a day, and that is what he survived on. Yet he never complained, and he had the reputation of being a happy, enthusiastic young man. During this time, he was still reading the Hebrew New Testament and was beginning to wonder, could it be possible? Could Jesus possibly be the Messiah he was looking and waiting for? One day, as Samuel was walking down the road, he passed a Catholic church and decided to walk in. He sat in the very back and looked at the crucifix hanging on the wall in the front of the church. And he wondered, what if? What if this man had been the Messiah? Slowly, over time, Samuel was coming to the profound realization that in Jesus, the Old Testament messianic prophecies were fulfilled. Jesus had fulfilled the prophecies from his Jewish teachings. Samuel was becoming what is called a messianic Jew, that is a Jew who believed Jesus is the Son of God. In 1854, Samuel immigrated to the United States to attend school. He quickly learned English, which became the sixth language that he spoke fluently, 
He now spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, Yiddish, Polish, Russian, and English, and he spoke them all fluently. And this is when he met a man named Samuel H. Turner, who spoke Hebrew and was a teacher of Hebrew. Under this man, he found a friend he could trust and learn from. Samuel H. Turner was a Messianic Jew, and he met more Messianic Jews and became friends with a man named Reverend John Nieder. This pastor was a Messianic Jew who lived in Brooklyn and was a missionary to the Jewish community in New York. And Samuel began to spend time with this mission. One Passover, he was invited to a Passover dinner with a group of Messianic Jews with whom he had become friends. The meal started the same way all traditional Jewish Passover meals start. But as the meal ended, each group member stood and shared how Jesus had been the Passover lamb and also how Jesus had personally impacted their life. Samuel sat silently listening. After all these years of studying, he dropped his head into his hands. When it was his turn to speak, he said, Jesus, I am ready to call you Lord. At this point, Samuel not only believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but also that he was going to live his life in full service of Jesus. He had thought at a young age God had called him to be a rabbi, but now he thought God was calling him to be a missionary. He left New York and headed to Pittsburgh to study to be a pastor. And in 1858, he graduated from Western Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He had been given a full scholarship. During his time at the school, he added Greek to his language so he could read the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. While Samuel now spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, Yiddish, Polish, Russia, English, and Greek, he felt God calling him to be a missionary in China, and he was accepted as a missionary to China on May 3, 1859. The trip to China took about six months, and during that time, Samuel decided, instead of wasting his time on the boat ride, he would use that time to learn Mandarin. When he landed in Shanghai, he could already write classical Chinese. Samuel landed in China in the middle of the Taiping Rebellion. Now, we've spoken about the Taiping Rebellion in past episodes where we covered the missionary work in China. For a quick summary, the Taiping Rebellion was this massive civil war in China that lasted from 1850 until 1864. Now, this massive rebellion and civil war impacted missionaries because the rebellion was led by a man who claimed to be the younger brother of Jesus Christ. The rebellion was aimed to overthrow the Qing dynasty and establish the Taiping Heavenly Kingdom, which was a theocratic state based on so-called Christian principles. However, their version of Christianity differed greatly from the Bible, and their leader claimed that he was the Messiah. Because of this, Many people feared anyone who spoke about Jesus or the Bible or Christianity. The Taiping forces, which were known as the Taiping Heavenly Army, gained control of significant territories in southern China, including major cities like Nanjing. 
This rebellion resulted in widespread devastation. There was millions of people who died due to the war, famine, and disease. The Western powers helped the Qing dynasty, and eventually they suppressed the rebellion. But not before it profoundly shaked the foundation of the imperial rule in China. And this rebellion left a lasting impact on Chinese society and politics. During the war, Samuel studied nine hours a day, and by the time the war ended, he could speak, read, and write in Mandarin as fluently as anyone who had lived in China their entire life. Samuel really didn't like it when he would watch other missionaries who could only speak a few sentences or phrases try to preach. He thought they did have a lot of zeal, but they made the gospel sound dumb. He said the gospel should be treated with honor, which meant learning the language before preaching. And he was frustrated with his fellow missionaries who would complain about studying and complain about the language and then try to preach without any mastery of the language. Samuel was really interested in the rebellion while the war was going on, and he wanted to learn more, so he traveled to Nanjing, to the Taiping capital. Once he was there, he spoke directly to the people. He wanted to see firsthand what they believed and what they were doing. When he returned to the mission base, he told the group, those rebels deserve no sympathy. The rebels' beliefs were blasphemy and their morals were horrid. There was nothing Christian about that group. During his time there, Samuel gained respect amongst the Chinese, and he was permitted to live in the capital, which most foreign missionaries were forbidden from doing. Samuel translated a book called The Common Prayer into Chinese, and when he saw the impact of this, he decided he wanted to translate the entire Old Testament. Since Samuel had been reading and writing Hebrew since childhood, he could use the original Hebrew to work on his translation. During this time, the American Civil War broke out, and the Mission Society ran out of funds, and that left the missionaries with little to no money. When the war finally ended in 1865, churches started to raise money again, and the mission support slowly started to come in. In 1867, Samuel bought a Buddhist temple, and he converted it into a church. For the next seven years, he preached and worked on his translations. During his time there, he learned about a Jewish community that lived in Beijing. He wanted to meet them, so he traveled 450 miles to see the community. When he got there, he saw that many years earlier, the rabbis in the community had died. The synagogue had fallen apart, and the community had sold the wood in order to have money to stay alive. They had also married into the Chinese community, and with the synagogue and the rabbis gone, the children had not learned Hebrew, and the Jewish traditions had been erased. They had simply assimilated into the Chinese culture. Samuel's heart broke for the Jewish community, and he tried to reach them, but a great mob drove him out of the town. Samuel found this time in his mission work very difficult, and it was hard for him to see the Jewish community not reached for Christ. Samuel realized there was one thing he needed, a wife. So he began to pray that God would send him a wife. In January 1868, 
he learned there was a single lady missionary coming to China. Samuel wanted to be the first to meet her, so he walked for 700 miles in the winter. He then found a boat he could use, and that took him the last 200 miles. And that's when he met Susan Mary Waring. And just two weeks later, they were engaged. They were married on April 21st. Susan was from Brooklyn, New York, and a gifted writer. She was also a great teacher, opening a school for boys and later for girls. She also hosted weekly prayer meetings for women. At first, the women in the area didn't trust her, but soon they saw how much she loved them. And quickly, both Samuel and Susan were very well respected. While Samuel did continue to preach, he learned that the work he was meant for was translations. He hired two Chinese copyists to work with him, and he worked all day and night on his translations. Susan would have to work hard to try to convince him to come to bed at two in the morning because he just didn't want to stop working. The couple had two children. Joseph was born in 1873, and their daughter Caroline was born one year later. Much of what we know about Samuel's work comes from his daughter Caroline's writings. He was not only working on translating the Bible, but other books such as prayer books and also hymnals. In December 1874, the Old Testament was finally published. But it was two years later when his life was turned upside down. In 1877, Samuel was diagnosed with severe health issues, including Parkinson's disease. After spending too much time in the sun, he had a bad case of sunstroke, and that, added with his Parkinson's disease, left him unable to walk. And slowly, he became completely paralyzed. He would spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Six years later, he was forced to resign his church due to health reasons. But even though he was in a wheelchair, Samuel continued to serve God. In 1886, Samuel and his family moved to Tokyo, Japan, and Samuel began translating the Bible into classical Chinese. Two years later, he began working on the Mandarin translation of the New Testament. The climate in Japan was much better for Samuel, and his health did improve. However, he continued to slowly become more and more paralyzed. In 1891, Samuel completed the translation of the entire Bible into Mandarin, and in 1906, he finished translating the entire Bible into Wenli, which was a literary Chinese language. By this point, he had become so paralyzed that he only had one finger he was able to use, and he used that one finger to type as he finished the rest of his Bible. He wanted to translate the Bible not only into Mandarin, but also into the plain Chinese languages. He wanted to ensure that everyone in China could read the Bible in their own language. In 1899, the revised Old Testament for Mandarin was published, and it sold out in just a few days. And in 1902, when the Wenli Bible was published, the publisher was completely overwhelmed. Even though he published thousands of Bibles, they were all sold out within days. In 1906, Samuel passed away October 15th in Tokyo, Japan. Three years later, his wife Susan also died, and they are buried in Japan. Their children, Joseph and Caroline, both moved to America, 
and they died in 1940 and 1942. Despite facing significant health challenges, Samuel's dedication to mission work and Bible translation left a lasting impact on the spread of Christianity in East Asia. His translations continue today to be revered for their linguistic excellence and his contribution to Chinese literature. This is a quote from Samuel. I sat in this chair for over 20 years. It seemed very hard at first, but God knew best. He kept me for the work for which I am best fitted. I hope you were as inspired by the story of Samuel as I was, and no matter where God has placed you, and no matter what you are going through, remember that God has a plan for you. Next week, we're going to look at the story of another great man, and you won't want to miss that. So come back next week. In the meantime, you can always check out my website, floralysiemens.com, for more episodes. <music>